0: Well, uh, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Everybody had a great week? Maybe? Yes? Uh, I've been really excited to, to, uh, I say to do this, to, to do this Torah study, because I don't know, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's not a lot. And it's, to me, it's kind of, um, whenever I study the scripture, honestly, it's really therapeutic for me. And we need therapeutic things to help us heal, because sometimes we don't even know we need healing. And we need healing. And that's even, I don't know if it's better, but it's good. It's a good thing. That's why scripture is greater to me than just reading words on the page. It's there to help us to better ourselves so that we can help somebody else. That's the whole point. So um, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for allowing us to just walk through your word together. Lord, walk through your Torah. Lord, to learn from you. Lord, we just give you praise for all you're going to do today, Lord, to just help us to be better people, Lord, to help us to help somebody else, Lord, to to bring somebody into your kingdom, Lord, because we just thank you. Eternity is forever, Lord, we understand that, Lord, we need to move up, we need to raise our level of awareness of that so that we'll know how to just be a blessing to people, and I give you praise for it all. And let's say the blessing before Torah study, I like this. Barukataruna Elohenu Eloheinu Ashir Kitishano Asher Vitz La Asok Bedevra Torah. Bless art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to start off with I like to call this a midrash moment. Um, even before that, I almost forgot. I had three principles. I've been reading a book um, by his, the guy's name is uh, Jordan Peterson. He's not messianic but he has a lot of good teaching out there and he has some good principles and I want to start off with with just some of his principles and then kind of go into it because um, our, our mission today is to talk about the culture and our families and the community. Let's think about our families. Think about our personal families. Does anybody here have Family relationship issues. Okay, I'm raising my hand. I'm raising both hands. Okay, I think all of, some of us do. Some don't. Maybe we don't. But I think we need, we have relationship issues that we all need help on. And that's a good thing. Uh, We were having a conversation at school. Um, I teach in a high school. Um, We have a club called First Priority. And we were meeting, we met, what was it, last Friday. And we had a relationship conversation. And I think it was unanimous that everybody had some family relationship issues. They were talking about how they would have, anybody remember having family meetings? Does anybody have family meetings? How do your family meetings go? Yeah, I always like the response because that was their response as well. Everybody's like, no. Matter of fact, the teenagers, they're pretty honest and blunt, so you probably could just imagine some of the words they were saying about their family meetings. Yeah, they're like straight up and to the point, and you just got to like, okay, that's too much, okay, just calm down. But you know, it's good to know this, because that's the real story behind our relationships. That's the truth, because sometimes we live in, that's why I love the topic, it's like the family deception. Because sometimes we're deceived, and we don't even know we're deceived, because we live a perception of the family is so-called supposed to be this way, and maybe it's not supposed to be that way. Maybe it's just a perception, and that's what brings us to this pain sometimes that we, that we have because our family is not like family A. At least we think it's supposed to be like that family A that probably just doesn't exist. It only exists on Facebook. Anyway, because everybody, you know what happens on Facebook. We put out there what we want everybody to see, right? All the happy stuff. But nobody puts out there, I just got into a fight with my wife, and I'm about to get a divorce. Nobody puts that on Facebook. But that's the reality check that a lot of us deal with because a lot of us just don't want to talk about it. And I think this is a form that we should talk about it because who's going to help us heal from this? God. And we need, I know I need God to help me to heal from this. So one of the principles that I get from, again, his name is Jordan Peterson, and it's a simple one, is to stand up straight with your shoulders back. That sounds simple, right? But it means a lot when you can stand up, I say that as I'm sitting down, <laughs> sorry, uh, but if you can stand up straight with your shoulders back, it says something about your posture. It says something about your, your demeanor. You ever talk to somebody like this and they're like this, like Eeyore, what was me? It's a simple thing to stand up straight with your shoulders back, look somebody dead in the eye and talk to them. It also shows that you take responsibility. Does that make sense? It says, you know what, I take responsibility for my actions. And that's a big deal. And the greatest miracle in the scripture is when we change our minds. That is one of the greatest miracles in the scripture. Because sometimes we're going in a direction, and we're so stuck in that direction, we didn't even know we were going in the wrong direction. So that's why it's a big deal to stand up straight with our shoulders back and take responsibility. All right, number two, principle. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Let me say that again. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. That means sometimes we take care of ourselves less than we take care of our dog. Okay, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Think about if you take a lot, I know a lot of y'all have animals. We have, I know we have cats, dogs. Anybody got any other kind of weird animals that I don't know about? Any iguanas? No Fish? Anybody got any snakes? I don't do snakes. No, I don't do that. But think about it. If you take care of that pet, would you feed that pet some junk food on purpose? Most people won't. Some people say, yeah, I would. Most people are going to take care of that animal so well they're going to feed them the best food possible, right? Or think about this. What if you were caring for somebody who's maybe elderly? You're going to make sure you give them certain things to eat that's going to help them, right? You're going to help them to be nourished. That's why, let me read it again. It says, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. That means you have to develop you. God has given us all these tools and these gifts, but we have to do the developing. Because if we don't do it, it's on us. God said, look, I gave you the Torah. I gave you Moses, I gave you the prophets, but it's up to us to do the walking, to do the digging. And we're going to get to the digging in a minute. But we have to do that. Alright, number three. And we're going to get to a Midrash moment. Watch yourself as if you were someone you didn't know. I love that. Let me read that again. Three times. Just twice. Alright, watch yourself as if you were someone you didn't know. Think of you were like a I hate to say a fly on a wall, I have a joke about that, I won't go there yet. All right, but uh, think about if you were watching you from out here, you driving in your car, think about you watching you on some of the things maybe you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, because sometimes I think we think we know ourselves, but we don't know ourselves as well as I think we think we know, because most of us, when we're pushing the corner, we'll do things that sometimes that are not good. And that's just the reality. And there's so much research on it. Y'all remember the, and I didn't, we're not going to go there yet, but y'all remember the Zimbardo experiment, the prison experiment? People did things that they wouldn't normally have done, but when pushed in a corner, they did things that they just wouldn't have done. And there's, there's all kinds of experiments out there that we're going to talk about. Um, but again, when pushed in a corner, sometimes we do things that we wouldn't necessarily have done so sometimes I don't think we know ourselves as much as we think we know ourselves and we need to get to know ourselves more and that's what it means when we're getting into the Torah as we're studying the scripture God is teaching us who we are I think we think we know ourselves but I don't think we know ourselves as much as we think and the last statement here then we're going to get to the Midrash moment you are too complicated to know yourself anyway so you might as well come out and just say it we're complicated beings we are And that's okay. You ever, all of us have done this. Hopefully, none of us uses language we shouldn't be using. But you ever stub your toe, and what sometimes comes out when you stub your toe? Hopefully, just ouch. But sometimes some other words might come out, right? And that's just reality. It's not like, okay, you're a bad person now. No, it's just the truth. And sometimes it happens. And we need to under. And I think if we understand humanity in this way, we don't get so upset at people. And again, like I told you, I work with, I say humans, I work with teenagers all day. Teenagers are human. Are y'all human, Brad? Maybe. Depends on the moment, okay? Sometimes, I don't know. I'm like, you are from another planet, okay? Anyway, but we are too. And I think if we understand people this way, we won't get so upset at them. So my teenagers in class, they get mad because they just got a... I gave them their test back, and they got a 23, and they start cussing. Beep, 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 beep. I go, dude, come on now, calm down. But you know what? He probably wouldn't have done that if it was other circumstances, right? He was just really upset. So I understand humanity. I say, calm down. And then after he calms down, and then we're fine. Normally, they apologize, and we just move on. But that's life. And I think if we understand people that way, then that's a great thing. So anyway... Uh, let's get to our Midrash moment. This is going to lay the stage, our foundation, to talk about community, culture, and the family. This is my goal. I love this. I don't know if anybody saw this. Um, let's read it. Um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Log B. Omer. Anybody heard of Log B. Omer? It's the, it's the holiday on the 33rd day of counting the Omer. That's when it is. It's just, we've already missed it. It was on Wednesday, 33rd of counting the Omer, and we actually did a little ceremony at home. I'm kind of, I'm just weird that way. Uh, You're supposed to, I say supposed to, in Israel, they actually light bonfires all over the place to celebrate, and they go to the place where Rabbi um, Shimon bar Yochai, where he was born and where he died, they go to that place, and that's where they celebrate this holiday that we're going to talk about. And it's ta- and again, it's it's great foundation. But anyway, so at home we did we did our own bonfire because I couldn't burn outside in the yard because there's a burning ban in Coweta County because of something I don't know. But you have to get like a permit, so it messed up my little bonfire I was going to do. So I did I did a virtual bonfire on the on the computer, and we did a virtual bo- and we just we just talked about it. So we did have a bonfire. It was just on YouTube. So anyway, but you know what? I think it's okay. Because I believe God knows our hearts. And I believe if we're going in a direction to honor him, to do what we need to do for him, God knows it's all right. God knew about the burning ban already before I looked it up. So God knows that, you know what? Terry and family would like to honor me to do this particular holiday. And I think that's what matters. I think a lot of times we do other things and we don't even think about it. Like, I won't even go there. Well, okay, I will go there since I said it. Like Christmas and other holidays. And so many people don't even think about why we do these holidays. And I can say that because I talk to a lot of young people, and a lot of them, they're clueless. If I ask them, like, why do they celebrate this holiday or that? Because my family celebrates it, and that's why they do it. And that's okay at first, but as I like to express to young people, we need to get born again. And when I say born again, we need to be born again from our culture. Think about that. Because We just showed up in the universe somewhere. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't. None of us chose our parents. I didn't choose I'm going to be born in Brooklyn, New York, um, 1972. No, that's where I was placed in the universe, and now I get to figure out this life. Because some of us, um, and I'm, again, talking about some young people I've talked to, they had a lot of weird family relationships like weird mother relationships. Because some of us have a perception of what a mom should be, of what a dad should be, or a brother or sister. And a lot of times, sometimes it's just not that way. Some people grew up like that grew up without a dad, they had no perception of what a dad should be at all. So how do we understand that if you didn't grow up with this experience? Right? So that's why when I say be born again from our culture, we need to be born again so that we can begin to learn things for ourselves begin to see things as the way they are because there's a such thing as an objective truth that means there's a truth that's true for all of us and I believe that I won't even go there now let me get back to the Midrash moment I got off topic alright the holiday celebrates a break in a plague that is said to have occurred during the days of Rabbi Akiva it also celebrates Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, a second century sage the Talmud states that the great teacher of Jewish mysticism, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, died on Log B. Omer, and, which is the 33rd of Omer, the 33rd day of counting the Omer. In modern times, the holiday has come to symbolize the resilience of the Jewish spirit. And even speaking to some that are Jewish who celebrate this particular holiday, sometimes they get to the point they don't know why they celebrate it either. Because we just did it because our family did it. And I think, again, it's okay, but we have to do our due diligence to go and do the research and be very specific on why we do things. We shouldn't just do things to be doing them. We need to know why we do it. We need to think. That's why the first principle was stand up straight with your shoulders back. See, it's simple, but that means I'm going to do this because I want to do it. I'm taking responsibility for my actions, period. It's a very simple principle, but that'll take us throughout our lives, instead of just doing things. I'm doing it because everybody else is doing it. I'm going to go this way because, no, what's wrong with you? You know, we got to do things because we're being specific. All right? The story is set at a time in Israel when the Romans were occupying Israel. The Romans hear that Rabbi Shimon was criticizing them, so they sentence him to death. So Rabbi Shimon and his son Eleazar go into a secluded cave to hide. They are there for 12 years. And this is the part that, anyway, you'll hear it. They were miraculously sustained by a carrot tree and a spring of water. That might be a little far-fetched in my mind. But, um, but it's okay to think about it. And that's why I, some of the Midrash, they're great when you hear the stories. But some of them, you really have to just, again, listen to it and go, where are they going with this? And a lot of times they're telling stories to teach a principle, and that's what this story is, even though some of it, this, but that particular part kind of threw me out, but again, they're trying to teach a principle, it's not the Torah, it's a Midrash, remember that, all right, one day, Eliyahu, Navi. so remember, so now, uh, let, me, let me get back here, so Rabbi Shimon and his son Elazar go into a secluded cave to hide, they are there for 12 years. So they're in hiding for 12 years. Remember, they're sustained by a carrot tree and some water. I hope they're doing good. Anyway, one day Eliyahu, Navi, Elijah the prophet, inform. inform I can't even read. What did I say? Let me, one day Elijah. so anyway, Eli, Elijah the prophet appears to them to let them know that they are no longer being pursued. So remember, they're in a the cave, 12 years. The prophet comes to them and says, it's over now. You're not being pursued. So now what's going to happen? They can come out of the cave, right? All right. Nafku. Nafku is just a Hebrew word that means emerged. They saw people plowing and sowing seeds. Remember, they were in a cave for 12 years. They were studying Torah the whole time. So it's almost like they were at a spiritual high. because That's all they've been doing. They've been studying Torah for 12 years. That's a lot of Torah study, right? They know, they're going to know it front, back, sideways, know it verbatim, all of that. All right. They saw, they saw people plowing and sowing seeds. Rabbi Shimon does not like what he sees. He said, these people are abandoning the eternal life for life of this world. They are putting aside Torah study to work their fields. Worthless earthly pursuits. Sounds kind of, okay, we'll get there. Any place they turned, they gazed at, it went up into flames. It's a midrash, don't be afraid. Okay, so they looked over here at this area. They're plowing, they're sowing seeds. It goes up into blaze, fire. So they have laser eyes. So when you study the Torah, you get laser eyes. Hopefully not, no. It's a midrash. All right. A voice came from heaven and called out to them, did you come out here to destroy my world? Go back into your cave because you cause any, before you cause any more damage. After this heavenly rebuke, they return into the cave for one more year. So now they go back into the cave because they had these laser eyes. They got rebuked. Okay, laser eyes sounds like it's bad. Okay, it's a bad idea. Okay, after a year, Nafku, they emerged. This time it was different. Whatever Rabbi Elazer damaged, because now Rabbi Elaser, the son, he still has these laser eyes after a year. Rabbi Shimon repairs. So Rabbi Eliezer, which is the son, he still has laser eyes. Rabbi Shimon comes out, and now he's repairing what his son is burning up. Is that making sense? Elaser burning up over here. Shimon comes out. Son, what's wrong with you? Let me repair this. Maybe he has a fire, a fire extinguisher. Okay, I just made that up. That's not in the Midrash. All right, that was Terry. All right, let's keep going. Rabbi Shimon then turns to his son and says, My son, you and I are enough for the world. What does that mean? What does that mean? He said, My son, you and I, oh, you and I, we are enough for the world. You and I, we are enough for the world. Maybe some of us are saying the same thing. I just want y'all to see the picture. We got Anyway, let's keep going. One Friday afternoon, when the sun was setting right before Shabbat, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Shimon saw an old man walking. He was holding two big bundles of hadesim, which are fragrant myrtle branches, and running at twilight. They said to him, why do you have these branches in your hands on Shabbat? He said to them, they are in honor of Shabbat. They asked him, wouldn't one bundle be enough? One bundle, this is what the man is saying that they're observing. One bundle corresponds to Zakhor, because um, zechor commandment to remember the Shabbat, and the other to Shemor, which is the commandment to guard the Shabbat. He was saying that since the Torah uses two words to observe the Shabbat, it deserves a double honor. So let's, let's, let's gain concept. So first, they're in a cave for 12 years, right? And they, they come out of the cave, and now they have laser eyes. They look around, see all the laser eyes. They're looking at people, they're doing things. Cause men, remember, they were on a spiritual high. And they come out, and people are just plowing, sowing seeds, they say. and now, But now they have laser eyes. So now, Eliezer... Um, the prophet comes out and says go back in your cave so they go back in the cave for 1 year right so they come back out of the cave and what happens next the sun still has the laser eyes and now the rabbi shimon has these healing eyes does that make sense i know it's a lot to follow okay it's a remirash all right You're like where would anyway let's keep going all right next the next scene is Shabbat. They, they're walking on Shabbat. They're getting ready to have Shabbat. And they see this man walking towards them. And this man has two bundles of, let's think in our day, some flowers. He has some sticks, some myrtle, some names that I barely can pronounce. They're called Hadesim. Anybody heard of Hadesim branches? Okay, I haven't either, okay? Just in the Midrash. But he has some Hadesim branches. And, but you know what they did this time? Instead of laser eyes, instead of healing eyes, they asked him questions. They wanted to know, hey, why are you doing this? And they actually listened to his response. I'm going somewhere with this. There's a a principle. I love it. It's good. Um, After hearing this, let me get back to the story. After hearing this, Rabbi Shimon said to his son, look. How beloved the commandments are to the children of Israel their minds were put to ease they lived happily ever after so we went from in a cave laser eyes healing eyes their minds are now at ease we can relate this to family culture and in, in the community this is exactly what we do with our lives and I'll explain it as much as I can here Laser eyes, healing eyes, and a minded ease. His laser eyes came from looking at the world only from his perspective. How many of us do that? And are willing to admit it? Right? Because sometimes we only look at the world from our vantage point. Because that's all we see. It's my world, right? I don't care what you think. You anyway, hope we don't do that. But again, sometimes we look at the world only from our perspective. They were sent back into the, let me get back, I lost my place. They were on a spiritual high, but everyone else received a harsh judgment because they were not doing what they were doing. See, sometimes we can get in a spiritual high and we think we're all that in a bag of chips. And maybe we're not. Maybe we're learning a lot, which is good, but we need to be able to be open enough to learn from other people. Because just because you, we think we know Torah or we think we know whatever, there is so much more that we can learn. We're probably just scratching the surface. Just think about how great God is and just think about how we are. And again, that's why we should never be in a mindset like, I know it all. Like, I got this. And if we ever get in that mindset, we're not going to learn nothing. We're just going to be in our own world, in our own bubble, in our own box. And we think we're all that. And really, we're not. See why it's a deception? Deception. It's like we're deceived and don't know it. I got a tongue twister. Deception wouldn't be so deceiving if it wasn't so deceptive. Get it? Anyway. All right. But the truth, right? Because it's very deceptive. You think you ever been wrong and loud and wrong? Let me raise both hands, okay? Just loud. Then it would just blast all over. Like what? I, I'm, I apologize. But you know what? Everybody doesn't humble themselves when they're loud and wrong. Because some people are loud and wrong and they stay with that. They stay being loud and wrong and because of their pride. And they're going to stick with it. And if you're in that position, sometimes you can't help people. Because sometimes they're so stuck in that you just got to. When I say you can't help them, you have to help them from afar. You got to just pray for them. And, that's, and that gets back to the family. That's the connection. Because sometimes you have family members that you can't help. You need to pray for. And you need to be over here. Because sometimes, that's why I started, we talked about family discussion. Sometimes we think we can fix things by our words. Because sometimes we think we're all that in a bag of chips. I'm just going to explain them. They're going to understand me. Trust me, I can't tell you how many times I did that. I made trips to my, to my family to have discussion about things and it just didn't work. Because if other people aren't coming from a place to be honest or even open up or maybe I don't see it. We just sometimes have to just leave it. Sometimes it's okay to disagree. Sometimes it's okay to just walk away and be like, alright, I love you. I'm, I'm just going to move over here because I want to keep the peace. Because the scripture says we need to strive to be at peace with one another. We need to strive to be at peace. And how that works, it depends on the situation. That's why I love the scripture because it's very therapeutic. Because if we take it that way, because if we don't take it that way, it's not therapeutic. If we're reading it like it's an inspirational book, then it's nothing. It's, it's just an inspirational book. The scripture is God's word speaking to me. It's, taking, it's, it's speaking to my heart. It's changing me one step at a time. When, we, when we're born again, the scripture in Ezekiel, it says that he removed from us a heart of stone and replaced in us a heart of flesh. I love that. Because think about, I know, I know for me, there were certain times before I was born again, I hate to say way back when, but I was just kind of cold. When I say cold, I just didn't have a lot of compassion about certain things. I just didn't care. Has anybody been in that place? It was just I, I like to say sometimes life has wiped the smile right off of our faces. Just smacked it off. Just, I don't even care. Just like, whatever. I don't even care. But I believe when we begin to walk with God, because the ultimate reward is just closeness with him. And as we begin to walk with God, what does he do with our hearts? He just melts it. He begins to melt it away just one step at a time. He just melts it. And sometimes... You could be a grown man, but you might be a big old crybaby grown man because you're a big old baby because God is developing in us to be compassionate as men, as people. All of us need to develop that compassion, and that's what God does for us. Let me finish. I didn't finish the story. How does God feel about that perspective? They were sent back into the cave. I think I skipped that. Okay, here. How can we live in the world and be true to what we believe? He came out into the world but this time he is saying the rest of the world they are crazy. Going back to the story. But that does not mean that we need to go around and stomp it all out. The two of us can live our lives the right way and that will be enough. See this was when Rabbi when he came out and he had healing eyes because sometimes we can have the perception that you know what I'm just going to be in my own bubble Y'all crazy, and I'm just going to stay over here. Is that good? I'm tolerant, right? I'm tolerant of other people the way they believe. I'm setting you up, I promise. I'm trying. All right. This says, what is tolerance? Tolerance is showing willingness to allow the existence of opinions or behavior that one does not necessarily agree with. It's almost there. I think if we're just there at being tolerant, we will cut out learning from people that we may never learn from. Does that make sense? Um, I'll give you all a great example. I have students, I'm going to say student A, who have um, gender issues. Y'all know now, in our, in our world, it's it's not just boy and girl. It is boy and girl. But guess what? There are people who, have, who deal with this as far as knowing their gender. We, and here we think, that's crazy. You are, I don't even know what to say. But I think if we just treat it that way and not try to understand people I think we're going to miss out because there's people who genuinely deal with that because I have students I think they genuinely deal with this because imagine yourself growing up in a world your mother is homosexual your dad he ain't no dad you get the point right we have all these issues growing up and they tell you, you know what you can choose your own gender and this is your world Do you think you would be confused? Yes, I'm confused just talking about it. That's hard. That's why if if we try to do our due diligence to get into the world and talk to people, instead of just saying, God says that's wrong, what's wrong with you? You're going to H-E-double hockey sticks. Okay, that's not going to help anything, because guess what? They're not going to listen to you. Matter of fact, you won't learn from them at all. But if we just spend the time to just open up to people and just listen. Sometimes we don't need to even say words. Because sometimes our words mess it up. I'm, I'm definitely going to say that's happened to me too many times. I can't even say it. Sometimes it's better to just be quiet. Sometimes silence is golden. Sometimes it's good to be in a situation and just listen. Matter of fact, yesterday I listened um, I listened to a coach for about an hour. We were talking about different things. I don't know if I told you all this. I, this year, I'm so grateful. The, The coach has allowed me to talk to the football team another year. So that means I get to... I get to talk to them about the gospel almost every home game. And it's simple, but it's a big deal. Because there's a lot of kids that are atheists. There's a lot of kids that are, again, but again, you can't come at them any kind of way. You can't think, that okay, I'm just going to come and just tell them this right way, and they're going to get it. That's a lie. And if we understand humanity, it'll just help us to be able to relate to people, if that makes sense. And not just people in our job, but people in your family. Because there are people in our family, again, that are just out there, it might be your mom, y'all like whoa, whoa, don't talk about my, that's just the way it is, sometimes our parents might not know, sometimes our parents, and that's just the way it is, but that's why you have to do your due diligence to follow God and learn from him, so that he can take us in that direction, amen. And I think that's it. Let me read this last statement about the Midrash. Um, think of views that you know. that. You, okay, I think I said that. Okay. I think we've, um, I think we've drained that Midrash enough. So, so I think the point of that Midrash, the whole point was really not that it's not Torah, but it's a good story to help us to understand to respect people and to respect others. Because we all need help. All right. The deception, I believe, is clear. Don't allow the culture, family, or community to pull you into their way of thinking. We have a great environment here at Congregation Beth Adonai. I I believe here, and when I talk to people about our environment, a lot of people are amazed. They're like, what? Y'all have how many Torah classes? Yes. We have great conversation. Even in our own we have talk about the Torah, and it's great. It's an open environment. I don't think anybody feels like somebody's going to attack them if they say something wrong, right? But does this go on everywhere? It doesn't. We have to, our goal is to take our culture and extend our culture as much as we can to other people. That's our goal. Obviously to invite people in, but sometimes that's not going to happen. Sometimes you're going to be the only message that somebody else ever sees, might be that five minutes you got to talk to them. Maybe they got to experience the love um, of our Messiah through you from that five minutes. And if we see life that way, we'll treat every instance that we get an opportunity to be around somebody as an opportunity to witness to them, to allow our lives to be a blessing to them. Uh, I'm learning to play chess. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Thanks to Brad. Actually, um, two days ago, I played, we played for like eight hours straight literally at school because we're done with final exam. You're like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be doing some... Anyway, sorry. Take your judgmental eyes off of that. Anyway, but we're playing chess literally all day. And students are coming in. I think next year we're going to have a chess club. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure of it. I think we had the president. But my point of saying the chess was when you're playing chess, you really need to think about every move. And one of the kids that I'm playing with, he's like on some kind of team. But what he had me to do was every move... I had to explain every move and why I made that move. I love that because you know what that did for me? It just forced me to think about what I'm doing because sometimes we don't think about our lives. That's why I'm relating chess back to life because that's what we need to do in our life. We shouldn't just do stuff to be doing it because, oh, well, I'm just going to, no, think about it. If we think about our decisions, a lot of times, we wouldn't make the decisions that we make a lot of times if we actually think about it. All right, let's get back to this. Don't be afraid to have an open mind. It's not going to fall out. That was just a joke. It's not going to fall out. Get it? Anyway. All right. Challenge yourself to learn. Stay curious. We should always stay curious like a little child. Y'all know what kids do all the time, right? Why? Why are we doing this? What's this for? What's wrong with you? But it's good. We need to keep asking those questions, because that's how you learn. When I was a child, I was a why person, and you asked my parents. I'm still a why person, but we always should keep asking why. Why does this happen? Because when you do that, you learn. Sometimes when I ask why, people don't give me good answers. And I don't need to be disrespectful to people. I just go, thanks, or whatever. Then I just keep moving on, if that makes sense. But we need to do our due diligence to keep learning to grow. Romans 1.25 Says they traded the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creation rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, when it says, I believe when they say they serve the creation, we're more um, inclined to listen to something from the world than from God. Because some of us look at movie stars or basketball players. And we hold them to more high of esteem than someone who's preaching the word. I don't understand that. I, and I know that people do that because, okay, such and such has a lot of money. That's great that they make a lot of money. Great job. And I'm, that's awesome. I'm not trying to take away from that. But what's more, what's more important, to learn how to play basketball or learn how to walk with God? It's not a question. It's not even a question at all. It shouldn't be. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's how we discern. That's why you got to stay in it. Don't be conformed to the world. It's easy to be conformed to the world. Sometimes we're conformed to the world because it's like a default. Alright, 1 Corinthians 9:19 nine, 19-22. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. That's the goal. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I'm going to talk about the under law in a minute, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. As to win those under the law. We're not under the law. I just, that that description, I believe, is, a, uh, is not a good translation. The better translation I'm going to read here in a minute. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am free from the, God's law, but am under Christ's law. We're not free from the law. At least, again, it's a bad description. This is from the NIV. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I became I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And my point of reading this, and I'm reading the complete Jewish Bible, which straightens it all out, um, is our mission in life is to bring people into the kingdom. That's our mission. And I believe if we understand that, it just helps us to relate to other people. All right, let's read in the complete Jewish Bible. For although I am free, I'm a free man, not bound to do anyone's bidding, I have made myself a slave to all in order to win as many people as possible. Because eternity is forever, right? We don't get to say, I'm just playing. No, that's it. I'm just joking. I hear some kids talking about, I'm, I'm going to have fun in H-E double hockey sticks. They do. You don't even know what you just said. You don't even understand the words that came out of your mouth. But, it's so, but I still like it when, when people are honest and sincere. Because when people are honest and sincere, we can still have a conversation. And then you can try to uh, maybe provoke them with a question or something to kind of help them to think about it. Let me get back to this. That is, is, with Jews, what I did was put myself in the position of a Jew in order to win Jews. This is the complete Jewish Bible, which I think does a way better job than the NIV. With people in subjection to a legalistic perversion of the Torah. That's what they meant when they said under the law. It's not under the law. It is a legalistic perversion of the Torah. Because some believe that if you keep the Torah, this is qualification for your salvation. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Your salvation comes by accepting the Messiah. Period. Once you've accepted the Messiah, you're righteous. God made you righteous. You're righteous with God. You're right. That's it. Period. Then after that... What do righteous people do? You follow the Torah. That's what you do. You need to follow. But does that make you saved? No, that does not make you saved at all. But we're supposed to do that. See, see the fine line? And that's that's a battle. That's a century-old battle that I'm not going to get into because that's the wrong conversation right now. All right, let's keep going. I put myself in the position of someone under the legalism in order to win those under this legalism even though I myself am not in subjection to a legalistic perversion of the Torah with those who live outside the framework of Torah I put myself in the position of someone outside the Torah in order to win those outside the Torah although I myself am not outside the framework of God's Torah but within the framework of Torah as upheld by the Messiah with the weak I became weak in order to win the weak With all kinds of people, I've become all kinds of things. So that in all kinds of circumstances, I myself, I might save at least some of them. See, that's the goal. The goal is to save. That's it. Now we're going to talk a little science. Okay, just a little. Next question is When will my smile be real? When will my smile be real? Does it make sense? I think it's obvious, but it might not be obvious. Sometimes people are walking around and we have so much hurt, but we just don't say anything about it. That's obvious, I think. And sometimes we get an opportunity to penetrate that and we need to be ready to do that every time. That's why the question is, when will my smile be real? All right. The first law of thermodynamics states that energy cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. See, what are we talking about here? Entropy. Entropy is a measure of the number of ways in which a system may be arranged, often taken to be a measure of disorder. The higher entropy, the higher the disorder. It can never be increased only due to time. It always tends to disorder. This is the second law of thermodynamics. See our picture here? Says, which direction is time flowing? What do you think? It could be, yeah, I, I think it depends. Kind of depends on the situation. But I think, okay, at well, least what I'm trying to show here is it's going from disorder to order. Our lives are, at one moment in time, might be at this moment, are sometimes completely disordered. How do we put it back in order? Great question. Give you all an example. Um, last night we had our graduation. And it's such an operation, you wouldn't, and if, if you've been involved with it, you would see it. But there's so many people involved in the details. We could just have graduation, say everybody just meet in the football field. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, chaos and a lot of fist fights. <laughs> I'll just be real. You almost have that with the order. We have so much order. We have teachers over here, parking people coming up. We have teachers. My job, I'm the golf cart guy. It's a great job. I get to drive around. I get to take people that are handicapped and elderly. I get to drive them up. That was my job. But that's my job. You have somebody else on the field. They're actually doing the ceremony. You gotta make sure the teenagers are doing what they need to do. What are you doing? Don't do that. Put that down. You know, you gotta make sure all these things are going on. Do you think that was a lot of a lot of disorder? And now we had to figure out how to make it into this orderly process? Right here, us talking, this is order. This is a product of, I would like to say, starting with Miss Judy. (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah. It's a lot of order that goes it's so much that goes on behind the scenes, step one. Step two, step 9,000 that we don't even know about. Then something just pops up you never heard of. Where would this come from? I didn't know this was going to happen. And you just figure it out. Well, that's going to be the disorder in our lives that we figure it out and we make it into order. And this is something that we just can't let happen. You can't just think it's going to, you can't just wake up and assume it's going to happen. You have to be very intentional on your actions in order to change your life. We can't just expect for things to happen. That's insanity. It's insane to think that things are just gonna happen because you're just you're just cool that way. That's a lie. Okay? We have to do things to make it happen. That's why we come here and listen to teaching. That's why we get into the word. We study the scripture so that we can better our lives. That's it. So we can help other people so we can save others. So assume that your life started off in complete disorder. Some are some are worse than others. Could we agree? Yeah. Some people are in horrible situations, and sometimes we just don't, like I said, when you showed up in the universe, you don't know where you showed up in the universe. You didn't, you didn't, you just showed up, and now you got to figure it out. Rule number nine, going back to Jordan Peterson, I started off with talking about some principles from his book. Um, Rule number nine is assume the person you're listening to might know something you don't. Let me read that again. Assume the person you're listening to, not necessarily talking about myself, I could be, but just in general. Anyway, assume the person you're listening to might know something you don't. Because sometimes we listen to people, we're not listening. We're just there. You're listening with eyes that are saying, I just wait for him to get done so we can move on to the next thing, or her. Or, and I'm not necessarily talking about somebody that's teaching you, It could be a person you're listening to. Like I told you yesterday, um, I was talking to a coach for like an hour. And honestly, I had something I needed to do. I needed to leave out of that room. But you know what? It was actually a divine appointment, at least for me, because he was telling me some things that that was really going on with him that really helped him, and it was helping me to heal myself as well. You see what I mean? I had to stay in that moment. Because sometimes we could be so, i got to get something else done minded, That we forget about listening to that moment. And God is speaking to us in that moment. And we got to do our due diligence and say, shut up, Terry, or whatever. However you got to do it. I mean to myself, you just got to. You don't have to, but I think we'll miss out. And it'll be our own fault. That's rule number nine. Things can look good on the surface. I'm going to call this discipline of doing. It is the process of doing the word that gives you foundation it is the struggle. Don't just hear the word, but do the word. Practice on someone that gets on your nerves. I need the next slide. We're digging. You got to practice. It's not just hear the word, hear a scripture, and everything is going to be all right. That's a lie. That's the deception. Again, practice on someone who gets on your nerves. Actively engage in the process. When what you believe infiltrates your behavior, the process, it gives you foundation. Let me say that again. When what you believe infiltrates your behavior, that process gives you the foundation. So again, it's not just doing it once. Really what gives you foundation is the process of continuing to do it over and over and over because that's what's going to work for you. That's why I absolutely love mathematics because guess what? It's the same process. If you're doing trig or algebra, it's going to be the same process and that's how life is. Okay, I went from chess to math but it's the same. If you know the process, it's going to help you to figure it out. That doesn't mean it's all going to be all nice and beautiful all the time. That's just a lie but you know what to do. See, life is really Oh, about, I'd say, 90% of how we react to things and 10% of what happens. Because life happens to all of us, but we need to know how to react. How do you respond when this situation happens? Bad things happen to people. Good things happen to people. But we got to do our due diligence and so say, you know what? I'm going to respond in a way that God would want me to respond. And that takes work. That takes years of studying his word and walking with God and and allowing him to speak into our lives. And like I talked about earlier, kind of melting our hearts. Because some of us are just kind of hard. Some of us are just kind of hard-headed. Anybody hard-headed in here? Come on, just be honest. All right, I'm just, yeah. but like, yeah, see. (laughs) See, honesty is everything, right? It's like the first step is honesty. I'm hard-headed. I need help. All right. Um, it's not just hearing the word me, all right. the wrestling, the praying, the trial the stumbling, the falling getting back up, it's not the mechanics but as you're doing it you learn things that God, about God that you did not know as you are doing the word you are going deeper and deeper and deeper if he gave it to you without letting you prepare for it what do you think might happen? you ever been given something without working for it? What do people do with things? Sometimes they're given something and they didn't work for it. They lose it, take advantage of it, it's just like it's not a big deal to you. But if you got to work for it. If you work for that, I don't care what it is. You work for that first car. I remember my first car, $575 Mustang 79. That was a car. Blue green. Anyway, but that was my car. That was my car. I went out, I had my own little business, cutting grass, mowed lawn, made a lot of little money. But it was mine. I worked for it, I earned it, and nobody's taking that away from me without a fight. Right? But if you earn it, that it means something to you. And that's what God wants us to do. It's the same way with our faith. Some of us want cheap faith. We want instant faith. We want microwave faith. Like I, I just want to put in the microwave and now I'm going to have faith like um, Rabbi Scott. No, that's a lie, okay? That's years and years of figuring things out. Digging. If he gave it to you without letting you prepare for it, you know, doing is digging. That's what this is. We're digging. Doing is, that's why it's the process. It's not just doing the word. Y'all see the difference? It's the process of doing the word that's going to bring results. As you start doing the word, there is an inevitable process that whatever is in your way, it has to come up and out of the way. Okay, think about that. We're digging here, right? Sometimes when you're digging, what do you encounter? You encounter rocks. The rocks might be your, your neighbor that has a bad attitude. It might be your family member that, you know what I'm talking about, you, I'm just throwing it out there. But that's the digging. That means you've got to keep digging. Do you have to stop there? No, you've got to keep digging. You've got to keep working. And as you keep working, God's going to deliver us and move us to another level. We're like, it's like we're digging for gold. You're actually digging for a rock. You keep on. As you're doing, I read that. This is the process of digging when friends leave. Or family members leave. Or you have to leave family members. Does that happen? Yeah, that happens. Is that hard? Absolutely that's hard. But if you really are honest with yourself and you're walking with God, sometimes he's going to move people away from you. And that's actually a good thing. I remember when I first, I have several situations. Um, oh, this is a good story. Um, I remember when I was getting out of the military, um, I, was, I had a year of duty left. So I signed up for the reserves. I was going to be in the reserves for a year. And I thought that that was the direction I was going in. But literally, the next month, I got a letter in the mail and said, you've been ETS from the reserves, which means now you're done. I don't know where that paperwork came from. But I found out later in that situation, it was a lot of negative situations. This is when I first got saved, that I didn't need to be around. So I believe God just set me up for success. I don't even know why. I just—I was just like, "Dad, now I don't even." I'm just—I'm just gonna be grateful and just leave it. See, sometimes when things happen like that, sometimes we don't need to question. Sometimes we need to just say, "You know what? I don't know why this family member left me in my life, but maybe that was a blessing for you that that family member went out of your life, or maybe it was a blessing that came into your life." You get the point. The point is, you're walking with God, and as things happen to you, don't be so dogmatic and think it's supposed to be. Because sometimes we have a perception of what family should be, and it's just not that way. We need to just walk with God and understand that God has our best interests all the time. And if it happened for you, it's probably the right thing. And just go with it. And if it needs to change, he'll change it, because he's God. You may look around and think, it's the devil that's doing all this to me. It's the devil, right? Maybe I should have said, it It was the devil that took, no. Maybe it ain't the devil, maybe it's a shovel. Get it? See the, yeah. Maybe it's a shovel. Maybe because you're digging and things are happening. Sometimes we want to rebuke the devil. It's not the devil all the time. It's just that's the way it is. See, God loves us so much he's going to chastise us. And that's a good thing. You want God to discipline you in the right way. And it's always going to be right if God has disciplined us. Often the shovel that God uses is people. When you start digging down, things start moving. God is teaching me when to talk. When not to talk. When to hold your mule. When to change your behavior. Digging past how you see yourself. Digging you all the way down until you get to that rock. You just got to keep digging. The goal is the rock. In the scripture, I get to it almost now. The discipline of doing says there are no shortcuts to excellence. We are in an instant microwave culture. We want instant grits instant oatmeal, instant faith, instant blessed life, instant, 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 and it's just not. Sometimes it does happen that way, but those of us who've lived at least more than a day know it It just doesn't happen that way. You know, when you're, when you're like 15, we think we're Superman and Superwoman, and we're just going to figure it out just like that, right? Teenagers, that's, isn't that the truth? They don't want to admit it, but that's just the way it is, but you know what? Those of us, again... We have to keep doing our due diligence to keep digging. And we'll end with this scripture here. Luke 6.48, which describes everything I was just talking about, says he is like a man building a house. And this is foundation. Who dug deep hear that? Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. He dug deep. Who's doing the digging? Y'all. Anyway. Me. We're digging down. It says, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. It's almost like the rock is way under the surface. But you got these other boulders. You're breaking it up. You're going to break this up here. You're going to keep digging. And I say that's family. Whoever it is. But you're going to keep doing this until you reach that rock. What's the rock for you? I don't know. Everybody's different, right? We all have different situations. That's why he's God. And I think this would be a great place to end here. So again, my mission today was when you're walking with God, he's going to remove some things from our lives, and that's okay. We sometimes need to just embrace it and just know that he has our best interests. And again, our ultimate goal is to know how to walk with him, and we want to get people saved. That's it. So let's pray. Father, I just love you so much, and I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that the word's fell on good ground, Lord, that people are hearing your word and listening and just learning, Lord. I know even though words are going out of my mouth, you're speaking to every individual in their own unique way. Lord, and I give you praise for everything that you're going to do today in Yeshua's name. Amen.